uh, we are very fortunate to have an expert in, in her field. Uh, Nikki Calcraft has worked for a number of event management companies and is currently with Event Studios. Has worked on the Grand Prix, which I can see there's a few uh, maps around about the Grand Prix, uh, Flemington Racecourse, um, Melbourne Park, and a number of others. So, look, I'll let Nikki go into more detail as to her experience, but tonight is really to be a very casual chat, a fireside boardroom chat with Nikki, pick her brain, ask her questions, make it very interactive, and let's get the most out of it as we possibly can. So, I'd just like to welcome Nikki to talk to us about event management. This is not about me, this is about what I've done, of course, but it's about you guys asking me questions. This is what this fireside boardroom thing is. It's like what we were talking about, and Grant sort of alluded to it in the start, is when we were talking about in, in the committee, it's like we've got all these people in the alumni who have done some pretty awesome things, um, and a lot of people don't know what other people are doing or what the NBA has done for them or what the NBA has projected them into. So just in a couple of chats that we've had, you know, we were having a bit of a conversation about where we've gone and what the NBA's done for us, and all of them have gone, Nick, you're first! So this is why I'm here today. Um, I started in the events industry when I was about 16, so I've been doing it for 20 years. You can all work out the maths. And um, I started in at Mobile Oil doing things for Peter Brock and having a bit of fun, and um, a couple of people sort of said, you know, you're really good at this. You sort of make things happen. So I've never done any events industry um, training. Um, I've just done it for a very, very long time. Um, I like to have all the balls up in the air at one time and make everything come down at the same time. So I started when I was about 16, worked at Mobile for myself for about 11 years and did all sorts of event management and inclusive of other administrative stuff. Um, I got a degree in art and design which has got nothing to do with anything, but that's what I wanted to do at the time. Um, eight years down the track, I decided I wasn't getting as far as I would like to, so I decided I wanted to do an MBA. So I started an MBA about five years ago, and on, comple and on completion, as I was going through the MBA, um, I was working at Daimler Chrysler. Now, I started at Daimler Chrysler, which is Mercedes-Benz and Chrysler Jeep, which is no longer together, so Chrysler's gone their own way and Mercedes-Benz has gone their own way. Um, but by the end of it, I worked there for six years as well, and by the end of it, I was the event manager for commercial vehicles, and I also looked after all of the events for the whole of the company. So where there was a party that needed to be thrown for the whole of the company, I was it. Where there was conferences that needed to be thrown for the commercial vehicle side of it, I've done pretty much all sides of the business for event management. So when I finished my MBA, um, I actually got a redundancy package towards the end at Daimler Chrysler, and I had six months off to finish my MBA, which was great. So I finished a couple of the things calmly rather than you know running around like a lunatic. When I finished, I started looking for a job and came across this. Um, a friend of a friend, this job was never advertised as they normally never are, and a friend of a friend sort of put me onto this. And I worked for a company called KBR, which is Kellogg, Brown and Root, which used to be owned by Halliburton. Now KBR is a project management engineering firm and they do water, rail, and happen to also do the Grand Prix. They started off doing the Grand Prix in Adelaide and then it's an Adelaide-based company or head office is in Adelaide. And then when um, the Grand Prix came over here, they brought it over to here. So the Grand Prix Corporation, as you've probably all known about and heard about, actually is the best way I can explain it. They market and sell the product. 
So they sell the tickets, etc. Whereas KBR is responsible for what you see on track. We project manage the whole. Oh, sorry, we. I don't work there anymore. But KBR project manages the whole um, kit and caboodle. So I was actually employed um, as the event facilities manager for the Grand Prix. So I was pretty much responsible for what you see in front of you. Everything that was on track was me. So all of the drafters, all of the people who put this together, when I say all of them, there's a couple of them, um, reported to me. The people who did the structures reported to me. So there's actually, interesting in front of Josephine, there's actually um, how scaffold goes together. So a lot of the marquees goes on scaffold. So all of that sort of infrastructure all reported to me. So the Grand Prix track, um, is um, an interesting fish, if I can put it that way. It's um, part of the Victorian parks environment. And if you can have a look at the drawings in front of you, the people down the end will see ones in blue, but all of these little numbers, each track, each part of the track is put together in little numbers. So it actually, you can actually see and tell where a facility is by the numbers that are on there. Anything that you look at in front of you will have a four digit number, which is an EMAC number. So you will see, um, this is Area 38, for instance. No, this is not a good example. Let's go down into the thicker things. This is Area 15, so this is an oval of 15. So anything that goes into that area, which is a designated area, starts with 15, and the next preceding digits tell you what facility it is. So we had a system on, um, it was like an access database that had every single piece of infrastructure on, he on here in a database, which needed to be checked, ordered, and put on track in the order that Parks Victoria gave us the facilities. So it seems fairly easy, but if you remember our little yellow ribbon people who sat outside the Grand Prix track for a very, very long time, which I appreciate why they were there, but we are only allowed on track to build all of this infrastructure for three months. So what you see on here, and the coloured ones are pretty much easier to see because the coloured ones are actually broken down to, the pink ones are stands, the orangey ones are what you call customised facilities, so the BMWs, the Vodafones, etc. The other pinky coloured ones are facilities that are basically built as they are and people will come in and decorate them and have them as corporate structures. Every single piece of infrastructure has to go on in three months and they are only allowed to go on when we are allowed to get occup occupancy of a certain area. And we have a certain, although KBR has a certain time frame, whereas everything has to be put back into the state that it was at the start of which Parks Victoria have an uncanny knack of making sure it's run down before we start the event so that it looks a hell of a lot better when we finish the, when, when we finish, finish the event. So even though the Grand Prix is on in two weeks, um, there is still a lot of infrastructure that needs to go in. Um, I'm, as I said, I'm not working there anymore, but there is a huge amount of infrastructure that goes on just for the track. Each part of the track has got gantries and gant there's walkways over the top of the track so that people can actually walk around. Um, there's all of the banners, banners and um, concrete banners that uh, protect the, the customers from the, the race. Um, the infrastructure for the pit crews is very, very interesting because they are very, very particular. And um, the OH&S impl implication of a site this big is absolutely phenomenal. It gets shut down probably uh, next week. It's on next Thursday, so it'll get shut down very shortly. And basically, um, KBR and the AGPC is responsible for every part of OH&S that goes on track. But it's no holes barred when the boys are getting their stuff out from pit, pit crews because they're trying to get out as quickly as possible. So what they usually do is just put a big fence around them and just sit there and take photos because the, it's the most 
nightmarish OH&S issue, but they can't do anything about it because I think it was last year they had a very, very short time frame where they had to get out and they had to be in Malaysia for the same thing. And they all they do is they pack up everything and they start all over again. So well, you guys might go to an event for four days or go to this sort of thing for four days. This took me 12 months. As soon as it finished, it started again. As soon as, as, soon as you walk off the track, it takes uh, there's a, a six or eight week period of where it all gets pulled down again and it all starts all over again. So it's a massive amount of infrastructure. It's millions and millions of dollars. And it lasts for four days. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's a fantastic place to work and to see how things work and see how you've got to get the interaction between, say, the V8s and the Formula Ones and how things can get in the way and how um, you've also got to take care of the fact that you're, you are working on a public park and what damage you can and can't do to the public park. You've got to take into consideration um, that it is actually a roadway. It's not... It's a, you know, anyone can drive on it at any, any time of year except for a couple of weeks during the year. Um, MSAC, last year, there was people in the pool while the thing was on, while the race was on. You know, we, we couldn't... It, we weren't allowed to quarantine it. It was... It's a public access area, so, you know, it's a bit of a nightmare to get, to get in and to and from, but that had, that had to be. We commandeered their car park, but other than that, people were in the pool while the race was going. So it's a very, very interesting dynamic. Um, it's one of the only places where the only part of infrastructure that you see that is permanent, and this will probably, this blows my mind, is this building here. And it's used for netball courts during the year. Every other piece of infrastructure is brought in. There is nothing that is there. I mean, there's a couple of things like the powerhouse, which used to also be a corporate facility that is no longer used for a corporate facility. This year, the Largo Lounge, um, which is out on the golf course, is being used by Mercedes-Benz as a corporate facility, but other than that, um, pretty much everything you say comes in. So it's pretty huge. Anyone got any questions? Anything they want to ask? So what did you do with this? Was this up on a wall or something? Or? This was actually on the wall in my office, and I had... Um, you must have a big office. Well, <laughs> on site, on site. Um, and it was... Yeah, it was... Because um, we were on site for three months, so we would go out... Um, Oh, start of January and you'd finish, you know, but no, it was more than that, it was about four or five months. June, uh, April, May, June, we sort of came out. And it's, um, as you see, these, the pink ones were the ones that I was working on while we were in, inside KBR office, which is in St Kilda Road. But all of this was what was deleted while we were out on track. So if there's a certain point where the clients actually say, no, they do, or yes, they do, or no, they don't want facilities. So as you can see on this one, is they were actually the deletions when we were out on site. And the likes of Harry the Hire, who is the main componentry who provides all the marquees and things like that, need to know within a certain time frame because they have to pack, pick and move all the infrastructure to be actually um, assembled, has got a certain time frame when they need to know things. So as you can see here, I've put down when things were deleted so that I can say later whether there was going to be any cost, cost implications of deleting, of deleting facilities for a little bit later with Harry the Hire, who would, might have already packed it and put it out on site or something like that. So, yeah. Nicky, I guess most of the people involved in putting it together would be contractors, people that just come in for, for the event Correct. and then yep. move on, on to another event. So how many people were there for, if you like, the cycle from start to finish and at the peak? I think there's about three or 4,000 that do it. Yeah, yeah there's quite a, it's quite a lot. Um, together, basically. Yeah, basically. Um, it's really good because you'll have KBR as sort of, as I said, the project managers. So 
there'd be, I'd, like as I said, I'd be responsible for, I'd looked after the catering, so make sure, I've got a couple of more of these things floating around. So I had another one that was just for Spotless and another one that was just for Rollins, because they all got different areas. And then I'd have another one for Harry the Hire, where all their infrastructure was going. And then I had people, um, one of the guys was looking after the structures under me, so he would go around and make sure that the structures were built before Harry the Hire could come in. So not only is it the KBR team, and then there was electrics after that had to go in, also power and water has to go in where to certain facilities. So it's not only does everything have to be organised, but it needs to be run so succinctly that once one section's done, the next big thing comes in and falls into place. And with events, as I said at the start, all the balls have got to be in the air at the one time, but they've all got to land at the right time because the cars will always race on the date. Like, it doesn't matter whether you're organised, it doesn't matter whether you're not organised, it doesn't matter if these 3,000 people have got everything perfect. You know, at a certain time, at a certain time of day, on the 29th at 5.30, that's it. You can't, you can't miss an event. So the adrenaline and all that sort of stuff, these 3,000 people, and, and they're contracted people. So, for instance, Harry the Hirer, who I looked after, have been doing it for a million years. So they know exactly what they can and can't do and what they have to do. And, you know, the first couple of months I had no idea what was going on and they were good enough because they'd done it before to be able to help me, help me through it. So it's a very team-orientated um, thing, doing event management. Yeah, because you can't miss it. You've all got to work together to make sure so it works. So what are the biggest challenges then, dealing with a whole variety of businesses and contractors? And it's, it's the, you know, say, the scaffold people, unfortunately, um, sometimes due to weather that they can't actually build. So, you know, you might have the, the marquee people coming in on the Thursday to build. Well, if the scaffold people have been waylaid because of weather, or by if it's 35 degrees or something, they stop working. So if they've been waylaid by weather, then it puts everybody out. Because not only once you finish the structure, then you've got to be responsible for all of the event management teams that come in and theme the facilities to then actually make sure that the clients come in and they're happy. So you, that's the most challenging thing, to make sure that everything slots into the right thing. So is there a critical path, uh, you know, like what you would have learnt through the MBA, you know, a critical path, and could it, have you used any of those tools to help you with this sort of work? Yeah, there's a lot of Gantt charts and things like this that goes on behind the, behind the scenes, and there's a lot of um, um, cancellation dates, and, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, milestones that you really need to hit, and once you do or don't hit them, then you've got, it's a chain of events that happen. So... You've really got to get to a crossroad, take a deep breath and fix it, or take a deep breath and move on to the next thing. Mm. So, yes, there is. Mm. So, are the contractors on performance-based contracts, or are they on, like... So, if, if I'm a contractor and I hit my milestones, do I get a bonus? If I miss my milestones, do I pay a penalty? Um, some paid? of them... Turning some, up for eight hours, no, no, get no, paid no. for eight hours? No, 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 some of them are... Some, it depends on what you do, um, and it depends on your implications to... Like a paint... Someone who comes in and paints is not going to have the same implication of the people who are putting in the overpass... Exactly. The people who put the overpasses over. Um, so the more critical elements? Correct. They're on penalties. Correct. They're or performance-based contracts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Definitely an implication because it makes so much of a, an impact on the revolving people yeah. rather than just themselves. So. So, Nikki, you're responsible for getting this all together, but how much control do you have actually over the contractors or the subcontractors who are coming in? Um, like, you've mentioned the bonuses, but... Well, it's a matter of... Um, when I came in, Harry the Hirers, for instance, is the best example because they are the actual biggest people of in places of infrastructure on track. So they were responsible to me. And they have millions and millions of dollars on track. And they know what they're doing, but they have critical paths, as Grant was saying, where certain things you've got to be able to say to them, how many chairs 
in what facility do you need at this date? And once you start missing them, it's not only them that get penalised, but we also did as well. So we can't turn around two days before the event and say, by the way, we need 150 chairs in this facility and we want them now. Like, it just doesn't work like that. Like, I did a chair review, what was it, in April, after the event finished in March for the following event. You know, because there is thousands and thousands of pieces of infrastructure that are on there and you really just can't muck it up because, you know, I'll go back to Mercedes-Benz. Mercedes-Benz who's paid X amount of dollars to come into a facility and has asked for that white chair because they've got the whole thing themed around that white chair, you have to give them that because then if you don't, the implications are... So is it a lot of dealing with personality? Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dealing, managing, yes, very much so. And it's, it's funny because um, in the events industry there's a lot of egos and especially with um, event theming companies and they think that their part, end part is the most be-all and end-all for the whole of the, the, the chain when really they're just making it pretty to a hell of a lot of hard work that goes through it. And so they're very, very demanding when they come in and they're very, very expectant on getting things when they want them, how they want them and without any question. And that's very, very difficult because they haven't put the 12 months into it. They've just come in, want things done when they want them done and it just doesn't always work like that. So, yes. So it's, do you think it was beneficial for you because you'd worked for Mercedes on that? Yeah, very much so, because I'd been, yeah. I'd been the nasty bitch on the other side. <laughs> so um, I took, a, took it with a grain of salt when I was getting at May because I knew damn well how they felt because I'd been on the other side. Correct. <laughs> you reckon they're pushing the boundaries a bit? Oh, yeah, but they, they knew that you understood. Yeah, correct. I'm sure. Correct. So, you know, I, I realised I'm being vodcast, so I can't actually mention names, but yes, there was a couple of very challenging people that, um, no, but it all worked out, worked out well, in the, well in the end, and as I said, cars will always go around the track. So it doesn't matter if that painting's crooked or, you know, you've got the wrong shade of red, cars will always go around the track. So as long as it's safe and as long as it's meeting the, the codes and the Australian standards and, you know, that sort of could actually bring me on to the next thing. Like we've, in my new job, um, I actually left this company um, because I was offered a, a general manager's position in an event management company that, well, we're not really event managers, we're in, we provide temporary infrastructure for events and we actually provided infrastructure for the, for the air show this just gone. And Sunday was a horrendous situation. Airshow is windy as, there is nothing out there. It is an absolute paddock. Um, a couple of times the boys had to be shut down from working because the wind was so strong. Um, a marquee blew over and hit a six-year-old girl and knocked her out on Sunday. You know, so that's pretty serious implications when things like this go wrong. And that's why you've got $20 million of public liability insurance because this sort of thing does happen, unfortunately. So, um, you know, they, you can shut down sites and you can do all that sort of stuff, but unfortunately, in the end, this is, this is the reality of what you've got to see the implications of your behaviour when you do this sort of stuff. So, um, so for event management for what we're doing now, um, I was really interested in the amount of money that is paid for, for structures like this. Um, and you're basically in a tent. So um, I was very interested when um, somebody approached me who I'd worked with before and they actually provide superbox style accommodation that starts off as a shipping container and they have hard walled structures. And they actually work at everyone but the Grand Prix. Um, they work at Rip Curl. They do, we're doing Rip Curl next, next week. 
and we do a facility on the side of Bells Beach. Um, so we provide infrastructure that is temporary, that is um, back of house and also front of house. The VRC is um, at Spring Racing Carnival on the internal of the winning post is 28 structures that they're put all in two storey and they have corporate facilities down the bottom and corporate facilities up the top which overlook the track. Um, you can actually see horses, unlike the birdcage, which you can't necessarily see horses. Um, they, they still have a marking on top, don't they? No. They don't? No. It's all your structures? Um, yeah, there it's, um, the best way I can explain it. Is that a recent change? Might well have been to the cup for a while. No, it's that. Oh, all right. Yep. So on the bottom here, this is on the internal of the track. So on the bottom here, you've all got a, like a glassed facility, which people can sort of interact outside. But from upstairs, that's sort of the sort of thing you've got. Yep. So, inside of the track. Yeah, it's yeah. on the inside of the track, and then so that's looking over inside, where it's actually yeah. from the front. And they're huge. They're, they're yeah. quite high. Well, they're yeah, they're about ten metres up. Yeah. Um, and it's just a, a different way of doing corporate structures because um, the passion that I have with it is that it's providing. So much money goes in the events industry to try and get the corporations to go along to these events. And a lot of the marquees, especially at the Grand Prix Lake or something like that, that's, you know, you've got people who pay thousands and thousands of dollars to take clientele which are dressed up to the nines. And unfortunately, yeah, yeah. So it's just trying, I'm trying to, you know, get a different perspective on the events industry and maybe, you know, raise the bar up a little bit and, and give a different perspective or a different, different look. So that's what I'm doing now. Um, and again, going from my MBA, we've actually started another company which is called Pod, which is portable, and we were talking about this the other day. Um, not really to do with the events industry, but um, we've taken the next step on this sort of portable accommodation, and it's portable operational demandable dwellings. And it's these providing infrastructure um, in accommodation for the mining industry, I suppose. And again, it's, it's getting a shipping container, expanding it out, having solid walls and providing accommodation in remote areas. And it came up um, the day, the Monday after the bushfires, I actually got a phone call from Regional Development Victoria and they understand all of this sort of stuff that we've done and we've progressed from the events industry. And they actually asked us to do a quote to provide temporary housing and temporary infrastructure for the bushfires up at King Lake and a few other places. So currently this sort of infrastructure has gone in. We've got a facility at um, Urialic, which is going to stay for six months. And there's um, some gentlemen who have come in from America which are helping to recover, um, uh, you know, replant and do a few things like that for the bushfires just to get the recovery period going and that's going to stay for six months in Wurri Alec. So it's a process, it's a long-winded process, apparently, but they're pro possibly looking at some of um, the facilities going at the back of people's blocks for them to live in while they clear the blocks and, and you know, get their lives back together, build their houses and go from there. So, yeah, that's the next thing on the agenda. So it's very exciting. But has anyone got any other...? So, Nikki, do, you, do you have a specific event in the end goal? Like, is there... Do you love the, the Grand Prix and you've ticked that box and now you've worked with the spring racing and the air show? Is there anything, what's the ultimate event to you? Or is it just events in general? I've never chosen, to be honest, I've never chosen this. As I sort of said at the start, people said, oh, you're really good at this, can you do this? And that's always what it's been. I think that's why I've been so successful. And I was actually talking to Aaron before. It's like, um, I can't sit and watch an event. I'm no good at events. <laughs> Um, because, well, if it's mine, I'll take those <laughs> if it's mine, all I'm doing is working. Yep. 
Um, and if it's not mine, all I'm doing is criticising. So it's completely, it completely takes the shutters off of, you know, oh my God, when you, you know, mm. I got married last year and I said, there's, I can't get married at this, 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 this event, yeah. this places, because I've had events at all those places and I'm going to be sitting there saying, where's my entree at, you know, this time. You know what I mean? It just completely, <laughs> I don't, no, it completely changes your perspective on the way things are run and the way things are put together and how things are organised and you really need to... So to answer your question, I would really love to do something overseas because I've done the six marquee events that are in Melbourne and Melbourne is the event capital of Australia. Um, there isn't anything that I go, ooh, I'd really like because to me it's just an event, you know. Wow. It's, yeah, so I'd probably like to, um, I would have liked to have done Singapore last year because KBR actually did Singapore and Singapore was the first event for them in Singapore so they had no idea. So to me, that would have been an awesome challenge just to get in and do everything from scratch. And it was also the first night event. So it was fully under lights and it was just a huge, huge challenge. Um, that sort of stuff gets me rather than, oh, I'd love to. You know what I mean? It's, um, I'm, not, I'm not a big person into concerts or anything like that. It's just one of those things I love just going, there you go, all done. Like I literally walked up top of Fangio last year, the car started and I went, done my job, went back to my office and sat in the office. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, cars will race, horses will run, so people will sit. Does love of project management or...? Busybody needs to know everything and has to have her head in everything. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like, what are you doing there and why are you doing it? Why have you done it that way? Do you, have you ever thought about doing it this way? It's, that's just purely what it is and being a pain in the bum. And, you know, have you ever thought about doing it this way? And it's just, um, don't know, it's just in my blood, I think. Were you able to challenge anything that had been previously done at these type of events? Yes. Really? Yeah, I'm, I was the, one of the first people who was event-based to work with this engineering firm. So I went in and changed a few things, which have all been changed back since I've left, because they didn't understand the way, like, from an event brain is a bit different from an engineering brain. So I just did things a little bit differently. So, sorry, I don't know, I hope I'm not offending anybody by that. So, um, you know, the, yeah, there was things that I did change and tried to streamline, but, you know, again, if I, if I wasn't there in the end to sort of help it process, I sort of didn't continue, but, yeah. What's the biggest difference you found in the type of work between a company like this and a startup that you've got over there? I'd take this any day than the startup. The startup is doing my head in. <laughs> um, what sort of things you've been working on that's different between the startup and here? Um, this is established. This everybody knows what they're doing. That's why I said I'd like to do Singapore. Everybody, everybody has a as a has an idea of what they're doing. Whereas when you're working from a startup company from a completely different industry that you that you you know or you're prepared about um, doing everything from the legals to the pricing to everything else that in something like this is established is huge. There's so many different things that you've got to you've got to take into consideration and yeah. So, so you've got safety from structure. Yes. From organisational like established structure and yes. your roles defined. Yes. Whereas in a startup there's no definition, there's no, no definition. boundaries. 
And you can say you can say something that you think is the right thing. You've got to drive your own car. (laughs) Seriously, you've got to do your own photocopying. Mm. I've seen people come out of big organisations that don't know how to drive on a photocopier. They don't know that when you put your stuff on your credit card, you actually have to pay Pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't own the startup, so I don't have to worry about all that. Can I just say, I'm just conscious of time and everyone's sacrificed their own time tonight. It's ten past seven. We've got about five minutes if you want to continue asking questions of Nikki. Uh, we do want to allow a little bit of time after tonight to have some networking drinks, which we, we feel is a very important part of the alumni, which we all enjoy. Um, so I just encourage some more questions. We'll go for another five or so minutes if we have more questions. Otherwise, we'll break for some drinks and... Uh, Finish the uh, night off. If you had to write this up as a case study for an MBA group, what what, what would be the a couple of key features that would come out of it that uh, the students really have a go at? What for them to actually achieve something well, at this level? In a case study, that, you know, you make observations and say, oh yeah, they, they should have seen that coming, or or is it run just so smoothly it's it's effortless? Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> Smoothly, for a case study for MBA people, it's. Um, I think Josephine hit the nail on the head before. It's when we were talking about the interaction with other people was probably one of the most difficult things, and that's not something that you can gain without experience. Um, for a case study for people, it would be all about hitting your mark on your timelines, and that's what's imperative for this. And this is why. This one, these these ones are the best drawings to look at because, for me, all I see there is blue dots. Now those blue dots to me represent timelines of when I can get into a certain position to put in scaffold, to then put in marquees, to then put in theming. So for a case study, it would all be about timing and how you can get the best out of the timing that you are given. I think with the amount of infrastructure that's going on, you can't miss the timing. Pretty much. Did you get any feedback from the places that you themed or that were, were set up that they were successful or not? No, you never hear about the successful ones. It's all about <laughs> it's all about can you come in and fix my floor because it's a tripping hazard or you know this is coming up in the in the corner. So we for, when doing this job, this wasn't an actual theming thing, but everyone else came in and did that. It was more. You know, you'd have a theming company come in and say the structure's not 100%. This is not the structure that I had. Can you move the bloody stairs? This is not what's on the drawing. Um, you know, and you've got beer commodity that you go up to the, the boys and when they have to work over their certain allocated quota, you give them a slab of beer and you say, can you please move those stairs five inches to the left? And just things like that. It's all, it's all teamwork. So, no, you don't hear the good stuff. Brian, it's <laughs> not necessarily. It's all about what you missed, what you didn't do, and how you've got to fix it as quickly as possible. Can you see yourself doing anything else other than management? Sitting on a beach in the Bahamas drinking champagne? No, um, I no. I'm a shocker. I've always got to have my. It's it's the adrenaline thing for me. I hate it, but I love it. Um, when I'm away from it, I'm no good. Um, when I'm in it, I'm no good. No, it's <laughs> it's it's all about. Um, there's a funny period after an, uh, after an event when you just turn into a, a bit of a vegetable, I suppose, because you've got so much in your head and then all of a sudden it's all expelled in 2.5 seconds and then you're like, you're not waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're not going, oh, my God, I've got to do this at this time in the morning. So um, I'm really enjoying the startup company because it's putting me out of my comfort zone and it's really bite the lip and just do it because you know you've got to do it.
Um, this stuff I've been doing for such a long time, it's not as much of a challenge anymore. Um, but I don't know what else bigger and better there is really to, to do in Australia. So, I don't know. What about uh, projects? Engineering side? Yeah. Well, I looked at that when I was at KBR and I looked at that as a possibility. Um, but that's not the way it went. I, I, I could do that. I don't know whether it would float my boat that much, to be honest. Um, you know, building, building like a, do you mean like a shopping centre or something along those lines? Or something just some landmark that you can say. That was me? Yeah. yeah, see, because I've got the design side, I'd rather, I'd rather actually draw it than actually build it. So, I don't know, the event side of it's a bit more of an adrenaline stuff rather than just building a building, I think. So you want the Nikki Colcraft Memorial? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, temporary, and pull it down, put it somewhere else because it doesn't look quite right there. No, no, no. It's, um, as I sort of said at the start, it's, ne it's not about me. I just like making things happen, and I actually love sitting there. And when I was at the Grand Prix working for Mercedes Benz, we used to have 400 drunk people running around, and I'd sit down at three o'clock every day and sit down and have a glass of wine in the corner and just watch everybody have fun because you actually miss that. You think about the rest of the, inf the infrastructure and whether the glasses, if everyone's got what they want, rather than actually sitting down for five minutes and going, they're having a really good time. And I contributed to that. So that's the sort of stuff that I like. So, so what type of hours are you doing from that type of work? I mean, okay, during the peak times or maybe there's always a peak time? Now, then, or no, then? then. I was working less hours then than I am now, but then would be, when we're on track, it was pretty full on, um, but oh, you'd be, just be there, daylight, you'd be there, um, and weekends. Um, but when now, um, I actually work more now because you're actually putting into an event, pulling out of an event. Since August last year, we've gone from, um, we started building in August at Spring Racing. We took the infrastructure out of Spring Racing and took it to the Australian Open. We took it out of the Australian Open. We took it to Airshow. We took it from the Airshow and we're now about to put it into Rip Curl. Now that's just one after the other after the other. And all of that, we've had to do infrastructure for fires and we've also had other expos and things that are going on in the sidelines. So now is a little bit more difficult for the hours and all that sort of stuff because we're doing so much. Next, yes. Next, what's this one? Forget about that one, move on, sort of. It's like your head gets full and then you move on to the next thing. And I've been doing this, I've only been working for this company now since August last year and I'm getting to that stage because when you do this, you know, you can have an event and, you, and it's sort of spaced, you know, you know that it's going to come in March. Where, and when I was at Mercedes-Benz, I had 14 different things during the year and it was spaced out nicely. Where I, while working for this, these guys, I've done 45,000 million things and start up a new company. And my boss actually wrote on the whiteboard today, it'll all be done by, well, I think it was the 9th of April. And I said, so that means I can have a hussar moment at the 9th of April. And he goes, yeah. He wrote it on the board and I signed it. And I said, right, it's not going to happen. Because it, just, it literally just goes from one thing to the next to the next. So, yeah, a bit of an adrenaline. Yeah, yeah my question is, A, have you met the guy? No. And B... Do you think the licensed fee Melbourne pays for the Grand Prix is worth it? <laughs> From a events management. Can we turn that off? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do because the amount of people that come in and the uh, everybody knows this is not something I'm telling everybody. Last year was forty million dollars down. The year before was thirty six.
So I could not get at anybody while I was there, whether that included the licensing fee, and I was never 100% sure of what the licensing fee was. I had an inkling. Um, you cannot gauge what it does to Melbourne. You cannot put a figure on the what uh, it brings in on the tourist dollar. You cannot find out that Joe Bloggs, who doesn't miss an event every year, doesn't come in and spend $1,000 on his accommodation, doesn't spend $1,000 on his food, that sort of thing you can't gauge. But the Victorian government say that they've, they've tested it as much as they possibly can and say that, yes, it's viable. And that's why now it's, we've still got it until 2015, I think. And Melbourne have bid for it and have got it. Whether KBR continues to manage it, they are, on a, they are now on a contract-by-contract contract basis, but the Grand Prix Corporation, which is a Victorian government body, have to provide an event until 2015. When's so Bernie... Next has When's the next one? Next Thursday. Hmm. Next week. Get out of town, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Can I come with you? <laughs> well, we're, yeah. we're sort of going a little bit of time. Maybe one or two more questions if we have them, and then we'll wrap up for drinks. Sounds Anyone good. Anyone at all? Sold. <laughs> Drinks. You could have taken Christine Nixon's job of sorting out the. That would be know, a huge program, wouldn't it? There's a funny thing about that. Um, or, the funny thing about that is, I sat with. We had a meeting with a couple of the people from. No, I'm not going to mention any names. Anyway, a couple of events people were having a bit of a chat. And we were hearing how the people at King Lake were sitting in army facilities that were leaking and they were cold and. They had not a lot of things that were provided for them. From A lot of people had volunteered and donated, but there was a lot of things not getting through. And a couple of us, there was about four of us, who just turned around and said, let us in there, don't ask questions, and we'll just fix it. Because, unfortunately, people who are not used to this sort of fast-paced environment of just making things happen, and the government is being... Um, I know this, this is a huge task, and I'm not trying to criticise by any means, but... Um, a lot of things just they just didn't know what to do. So the events people that I'd spoken to just said, Give, if we had this, we could have we could have helped out by doing blah 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 blah. And by putting this sort of infrastructure together, we've got a bit of a different knowledge than you know the Department of Sustainability. I'm pleased. I'm not trying to criticise by this, but you know we've had an experience of putting in temporary infrastructure for certain things. So maybe we could have you know been people who could have assisted or given some input. And we tried talking to local members and volunteering our time for that sort of stuff, and it just went on deaf ears because they weren't used to a, a an event at this magnitude. So yeah, I'd love to help, but it's just that's a huge thing. So. Well, that's it. That's, that's exactly like right. Red Cross is political and the Selvos are political. And yeah, well, that's probably a good point to finish off on. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> 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 Nikki Anthony, that one. But uh, Nikki, look, thanks very much for your time. Uh, you've obviously shown your passion, your knowledge, your competency, your, your, your just enthusiasm for the whole project. And I think that's part of the secret for all of us is to really find something we're passionate about because it will always do better at it. You've shown that tonight. Thanks for the pre preparation with all the maps and for all the in inside knowledge about the Grand Prix and all the other events that you've done. Um, we all look forward to getting free tickets for next week's uh, opening <laughs> of the Grand Prix, yes, uh, the, yes. the first Twilight Grand Prix in Melbourne, so that would be interesting. Um, and I think some of the things you said about the event management we can sort of apply to our own roles, which um, these fireside chats are really all about us taking something away. And I think you've given us a lot of things to think about and uh, just really appreciate your time and uh, we wish you all the best in your new 
startup venture in, in your new role. So well done. Thank you very much.